What is up, everyone, and welcome to episode 482 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Do they hear us now? Good! What is up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Combo's Court. Today's show, D-Line of DNVR Sports, joins in to talk his favorite Denver Nuggets parade moments, Point Center Jokic, Bradley Beal to the Suns, and more. Just a fantastic conversation with D-Line. You could catch D-Line on Twitter at D-Line Co. That's D-L-I-N-E-C-O. You know you could catch me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. of DNVR Sports. Welcome to Combo's Court. How you feeling? It must be good out in Denver right now. <laughs> uh, I think it's good. I mean, I feel like I'm in like a weird dream that I can't really wake up from. It's like the best thing that ever happened to me, I think. Like, I'm going to look back, I think, and be like really excited, but I've been sick all weekend and like... Uh. <laughs> In like the best way. I mean, I like just like worn myself down to a nub, but it's like the most beautiful thing that's ever happened. Are they still partying out there? Because I know Jokic is back with his horses, but I was just uh, wondering if uh, the fans are still partying. <laughs> yes, yes. Our partying is not Jokic-dependent. We've lived this way. He's never been, like, uh, the source of our partying. I mean, Denver, Colorado, like, it's beautiful right now. We just had uh, a golfer win the uh, U.S. Open on our behalf. Like, it's just – it's all coming up dubs in Denver right now. So, yes, we're partying. And it's more than that, right? You guys won championships all across the board recently. We can't stop. No one can stop us. The only one that can stop us is ourselves. And we'll prob- we probably will, honestly. <laughs> we'll stop ourselves pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, I mean, you know, everything does come down to Jokic because he's the team's best player. Obviously, they built around him in such a great way. I feel like the organization is not getting enough credit for this reason. I don't think every team would have put Jokic in a point center role like they did in Denver. Do you feel that would have been like apparent for every, for every NBA uh, franchise, or do you feel like the Nuggets might've been maybe the only franchise that would have done this? I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts? Was it like an obvious thing to do? Um, It was. So first off, very astute observation. I couldn't agree more with you. I've been singing these, the praises of Michael Malone for this reason for a long time. Michael Malone is like, known as a defensive coach and that really is where his bread is buttered um and you know call it fortune or call it foresight he had this unbelievable prospect that was able to play the game in a way that others weren't able um and he recognized it and he sort of allowed the offense to sort of uh waterfall down from this man's skill set like i don't think it's 
an, an assurance by any stretch of the imagination that Jokic would have flourished in any other circumstance. I mean, I can look at a player, you know, like you can look at people like maybe George or Greg Popovich, like potentially Eric Spolster, like the, the forward thinking coaches in the NBA that would even consider sort of uh, allowing this to happen. But I, there was just something, I don't know, there's something like really uh, just serendipitous about the way that the Nuggets came together um, in that they had an ownership group that sort of, because there are so, uh, their attention is in so many different places at so many different times, owning so many different franchises, that they sort of just allow things to happen and grow and be slow. Um, and the Nuggets had to come to this place. Like, Jokic wasn't just immediately inserted into the offense as the point center. Like, Yusuf Nurkic was starting in front of him. And Jokic had to even first and foremost, like earn his starting minutes. And then at that point, you know, like we had Emmanuel Moody. It was just like a, you know, just sort of a hodgepodge of like no real focus, no real, um, you know, end goal in mind. But then like once, you know, Jokic's greatness sort of like revealed itself, like then you got to tip your hat to all the people in charge, Tim Connolly at the time, Michael Malone, and then now Calvin Booth to recognize what it is they had and like build around this like super unique uh, format. Yeah. I mean, he's an undeniable talent. So I feel like he still would have been an all-star, but I feel like this fit with the organization kind of takes him to that MVP player. And I, I thought he should have won three in a row. That was just my thoughts. I think the stat padding thing is now looked upon crazy. I thought it was crazy back then. <laughs> yeah, man, listen, like uh, that the, the world in which we live, uh, you know, the NBA is like largely largely driven by narrative for whatever reason, like right. ESPN, the, the powers that be like really like bought in heavy on the idea that narrative is more important than the actual game that's being played. I'm hoping that like with this Nuggets rise, we get a little bit of that, like, man, watch the game. Like you should know ball, like enjoy basketball. But you're right. Like the, they, the argument against Jokic was just like, it didn't feel right. You know, like it didn't, it did like it didn't. Look who else did it. Like, how can that? I mean, it, it, it was, and it, frankly, it was like disgusting to live through. I'm so glad we're through it. I don't, I don't care that he didn't win the MVP because he got the bigger prize. He got the finals MVP. But yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. The man should have won three. No question. Yeah. And I felt like we were shifting into an era where because of Jokic and Denver, like this is a copycat league. The league usually always follows its top teams and kind of like, I think that the Rockets should maybe uh, throw Shangoon at some point center minutes. Yes. Right? And I do feel like, you know, things will trend in that direction. But then we hear the news yesterday that Phoenix doubles down on, like, the super team thing. And, man, um, I saw somebody say on Twitter that, do you think the Nuggets feel threatened? And I'm just thinking, like, no way. No way. They <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, can, you can't tell us anything right now. You can, <laughs> you can, like, they could tell us that they, like, I don't know, like, brought back prime Hakeem Elijah one and paired him with Shaq. And we'd be like, whatever. We're like, you can't tell us anything right now. The idea of bringing Bradley Beal, like, you know, having all of these overlapping skill sets in, in a team yes. with only one basketball, that, like what, what are we doing here? That's the first thing I said, just redundancy and skill set. Now, even if you thought Kyrie Harden and Durant was re redundancy, even if you thought CP three Durant, um, and Booker was redundancy. This is probably more of a redundancy of skill set than any of those trios. 
I don't even know who plays point guard for them. I'm hearing point book. Well, obviously we have to wait till the dust settles and see what else they do. But as currently constructed, I don't even understand the Phoenix Suns. I understand like the idea that they just feel like they can score every time down and, you know, they can outscore you, but how they're, how they can possibly hope to stop the Denver Nuggets on the other end. Like I, your guess is as good as mine. Bradley Beal is going to help Deandre Ayton stop Nikola Jokic in the post. Like, okay, (laughs) whatever. Like, yeah, no, nobody stopped Jokic, and I do feel like teams might start trying to stock up on bigs because, you know, that that happened with Shaq, but Shaq was a totally different player where every team had, like, two or three doofy bigs. I do think, like, the Nuggets, <laughs> they, like, they play as such a unique style of basketball that the league is yeah. going to change around them. It's going to be really interesting to see. So, you know, 4D chess here, you know, Tim Connolly, the architect of this team, was offered a King's ransom to move to Minnesota Last last right. season, right before right before seeing his ultimate creation achieve the top goal, which breaks my heart because he's such a good guy, I love him. Um, but he couldn't he couldn't pass up what he what was being offered to him. But what was his first move? His first move was to stock up on bigs. Like he knows he has to go up against Nikola Jokic in the Northwest Conference or Northwest Division for the foreseeable future. So his first move is to sell the farm to get Rudy Gobert to be able to try and pair him with Carl Anthony Towns. And like, frankly, those two did the absolute best against Jokic during these playoffs. Like they were the only one that provided him any real resistance. That was his worst. I mean, it wasn't a bad series, but it was his worst series of the finals run. Um, and it just meant that, but the the problem with that is then that just opens up the door for Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. And, you know, KCP, all of these other guys that are the beneficiary of Jokic's ability to play inside out or outside in. But, Yes, that uh, that trend started last season. Tim Connolly already saw it, so he already started to 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 put that in place. Were you surprised at the? Were you at the parade? Uh, yes, I was at the parade. I think I have to I have to check the tape. We'll see. <laughs> okay, so my, you know you know what my I mean Michael Malone was great. By the way, he's like it kind of remind me of like a wrestling, wrestling promo in the eighties. That's what that's what he what he was doing. Um, oh yeah. Were you were you were you surprised when he's like Brucey B? He's gonna be here, like not verbatim, but that's pretty much what he said. I mean, and this guy's um, yeah. he's a free agent, right? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, he's a player option. I mean, it would be honestly like the worst decision on earth for him to sign in Denver again. Like he would be forfeiting millions and millions of dollars. Um, but I mean, everyone was just feeling it. It was just a love fest out there. And Michael Malone, like the second I saw Michael Malone, like get up there with a flat brim cap that was taught tilted to the side, wearing a chain and a shirt with his own quote that said, put that in your pipe and smoke it. I was like, yo, this guy is about to go back to his Queens, uh, roots right now. We're going to see action Bronson, Michael Malone right now. Action Mike. That's what I'm calling him from this point out. Action Mike was on the mic. (laughs) What were some of your fa- what were some of your favorite moments from that parade? Oh, the number one moment of all time that I'll never forget in my entire life is Nikola Jokic getting up on the microphone. He said three sentences, and they were the most perfect possible sentences. They, I told you, I didn't want to be in parade. I want to be in parade. <laughs> that was just it. Like the greatest thing. We, the people went nuts. Um, and you know, just. I mean, it was just everybody getting up there, just 
you know, spitting nonsense. Didn't matter what anybody said, but it was just more than anything. It was just watching Denver, Colorado rally under the banner of the Denver Nuggets, which is just such an unthinkable concept for their entire existence. When I was a kid growing up in Fort Collins, which is like an hour north of Denver, um, and like you wore that rainbow you know, Jersey, like you were a loser, man. Like it was like, you were supporting like a clown squad. Like they were the worst team in the league. It was like, you had no, like you're a Nuggets fan. You know, it was like was embarrassing. It, what, what, was it like, was it like Clippers vibes? Big Clippers vibes, man. It was like, <laughs> what, like whatever, like the worst team in your city is that like, you're, you know, that you're embarrassed. You put a bat over your head to go to the state to like proudly be like i'm a clippers fan or i'm a nuggets fan people are like bro are you all right like what's wrong with you so um for me you know like i bought in heavy on the nuggets years ago and because i just i mean i frankly just saw this coming like i saw what the organization was putting together. I saw what Nikola Jokic was. Like, I just was energized by the idea of them. I like had season tickets, whole thing. Um, and just to watch Denver, like have essentially, it's like basically Denver had a 50 year old expansion team in the Denver Nuggets. Like they just were always just like kind of there, but like didn't really feel real necessarily. But like when they won that championship, it's like Denver got a brand new official squad to rep like now now we have broncos we have avalanche and we have nuggets and like you can't you can't talk to us about any of those three when did you really and you know we're talking a lot about Jokic because you know he is their best player (laughs) so so i really want to ask you this what were the signs that you saw early when the team was starting to turn things around and more specifically what was Jokic doing on the court early before they even turned him into that point center so Jokic just is always he's just always Jokic, man. He's always looked exactly the same. Like he has done exactly the same thing. Um, the early problems with Jokic were that his it was ironically like it wasn't that he was fat, it was that he was too little. Like he hadn't built up his body. He was getting he'd get pushed around in the paint. You didn't know if he was a four or a five. Um, but I mean, my man was always passing like this. My man, he was always shooting like this. He was always rebounding. He's just a clever player. And so that in and of itself, like, I mean, I wasn't like heavy, like when we drafted Jokic, um, I was working at a company with a guy f- that lived in Greece for like his formative years. And so he always was paying attention to Euroball. And when we drafted Jokic, he was like, yo, we just got uh, the guy that was an MVP of the Adriatic League. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. You know, that's kind of, okay, we'll pay attention to that. That's a little interesting. So, like, I was paying attention to him at Summer League. And, I mean, I was Nuggets obsessed at that point. Um, you know, I was, like, hoping we got Moutier. I mean, I, we, we were down bad. We just didn't realize it. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Like, there, there's just something about, like, the team just got better and better and better and better. Every year they stacked – more wins. Um, they just became like more and more competent. They weren't getting blown out. It wasn't embarrassing. You know, it's like you could just see like competence on the court. And like that, that was enough for me to sort of like decide that it was worth following this path. Like I didn't, I wasn't positive they would get to this level, but it was at least like, okay, this is at least worth my attention, you know? Yeah. I really think 
I realized how good the Nuggets could be. There was a small amount of time where Aaron Gordon was there, and it was before Jamal Murray got hurt. Oh, and they eight, were the eight games. They dude. were yeah, they were playing like the best team in basketball, and then the injury came. Yo, we were in our oh my! I was in my supervillain era during the, when we made that trade, and it was the perfect trade, and like every piece worked perfectly we came out we immediately beat the clippers and we beat them badly aaron gordon clowned Kawhi leonard on the defensive end and um it just like your eyes just opened up wide like oh my god like they figured it out they got the piece they needed that was the absolute right piece and we were like <laughs> famously during that time at least infamously in this in our parts of, of the world like um i was like Oh man, is this what it's like to be one of these franchises, like the Lakers or something, and just like walk out there all smug and you don't even like acknowledge the other team? It's like, like all about you. Like, so I'm like, yo, this is the era. Like, I don't want to be the Nuggets anymore. I want to be the Smuggets. We're the Smiths now. And then, um, and then Jamal Murray almost immediately tore his ACL, and I was like, Oh, we flew too close to the sun. We have we have angered the basketball gods. We we were supposed to be pious and humble, and we didn't <laughs> we didn't read the room right. So we were immediately punished. But you know what? Whatever. We're back. Yeah, I actually talked about this with Adam, and I feel like while he might have been a little bit more athletic during the bubble time, his skill level just is at an all time high right now. Like. He's one of the toughest shot makers in the league. Just unbelievable skill and craft in the mid range from three and around the rim. Yeah, you talking about Aaron Gordon? No, Jamal Murray. Oh, Jamal Murray, give me a break, dude. Jamal Murray has ascended to such a level. Like Jamal Murray, like uh, going into this, you know, everybody's talking about like, oh, Jokic doesn't have any all stars. He isn't playing with the any other all NBA level players. But I mean, the story of Jamal Murray is just like it's all timing, right? Like his, yeah, yeah. he, he, he hit his before his former apex in the bubble. Right. And then they were, you know, like the, it, the the schedule was such that the NBA season started up like pretty shortly after the bubble ended. And Murray like clearly just took like that entire time off, like let himself get completely out of shape, came back, was inconsistent, didn't have that fire that he had in the bubble. We're like, man, what's up? And then he finally started to get it again. Then he got injured. And then it was like, oh, God. And then he, like, finally came back and then started came back kind of out of shape again, obviously, and then worked his way back up, got hurt again. It's just like it's always just been timing with him. But he's really just, like, now hit that place where we all envisioned he could be. And, like, exactly, the toughest shots, demoralizing shots. Like, his his handle has gotten so good. His ability to distribute has, has really – like, he was averaging 10 – assists a game in the NBA finals, you know, it's like against a, like, uh, like a, a a small ball team that should be able to defend that type of thing. So man, it's, it's been beautiful to watch him bloom. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, you could say Jokic is not playing with any all-star players, but Jamal Murray's obviously an all-star talent. And I know Eric Gordon. Yeah. I know Eric Gordon. Well, he probably won't go to another all-star game, but that's all-star talent. You know what I mean? Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, it's just like, like for all these guys, just finding the right role. And it turns out like the right role for anybody who wants it is just next to Jokic. Jokic just makes everybody so much better. Yeah. Okay. Last thing before we get out of here, D-Line. I know that you're on a high right now from the parade and everybody's <laughs> partying, but are there any 
off-season needs that you see? Because, you know, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. It doesn't matter how good you are. We've seen, you know, a 73 and 19. Yeah, that, that's it, right? Yeah, okay, 73 and 19. Add Kevin Durant. So what does this team need to add going forward? Well, it's – I don't know how much of it it's about adding. It's about, like, retaining, you know. It's that Bruce uh-huh. Brown role. Um, it's about, like, making sure that they still – they keep the cupboard stocked with depth. I mean, Jeff Green is a question, obviously. He's, you know, obviously on the back nine of his career. He got his ring. Uh, we love him for it, Uncle Jeff. Um, but, you know, I think we, we need to look probably at an upgrade at that position, Um you know, and the thing is that there is still a lot of depth that is unrealized on this Nuggets roster. We have two rookies. You saw one of them really explode in the finals, Christian Brown. Yes. Um, so that that's the thing. Like, if they don't sign Bruce Brown, like, you know, Christian Brown is kind of there to, to fill a lot of the same role. And then also Peyton Watson. The Nuggets traded up um, into the first round to get Peyton Watson last year, P-Watt. And, you know, he came in, he was drafted with the lowest scoring average ever. Um, for a player draft in the first round, he averaged like two points a game at UCLA because he just didn't get the playing time. But I know for a fact that the front office absolutely is it, it just enamored with him. He was like a top, the top prospect in Southern California uh, coming into college, which is like something that needs to be taken seriously. And so I imagine that those guys' roles are going to grow a lot. Um and then, you know, for, for a team like the Denver Nuggets at this point, it's just all about harmony and it's all about finding out, making sure that all the pieces fit together. Like it wouldn't make sense for them to just make another home run trade and bring another guy in. KCP was that guy, you know, like Aaron yeah. Gordon was that guy. And now it's just about like maintaining the beautiful balance that they've achieved, which is like nothing that to that you, you can't really uh, diminish. It's like so, so important. Yeah, Christian Brown is so interesting, not only from the spelling of his name, but from the fact that he's <laughs> he's he's a he's obviously a winner. He's winning at every level. And yeah, he, yeah. in the past and in college, he shot the basketball really well. So yep. if he could develop that at the NBA level, that could be a huge difference maker for the Nuggets. Well, I'm saying, man, like anybody who watch, has watched the NBA for a long time knows that the jump between year one and year two is so real. Yeah. Um, and this, this guy, like you said, like he – already has the stuff like he already has the makeup he has the championships pedigree he has the demeanor yeah. he's unflappable somehow like um and you're right like that's the last thing is that his offensive game needs to now round into form a little bit and like he's going to be you know i mean calvin booth when we talked to him the, the gm of the nuggets he was saying you know that that's an you want to talk about an absolute cannot miss prospect. Like that's Christian Brown. Like it's not about whether or not he can uh, become like a deadly three point shooter. He's already got what it takes to be a, like a high level role player in this league. So the pressure's kind of off there. Now it's right. Like work on that three point shot, bring it back. Like you had it in college. D line. Great stuff. Congrats on your championship. You're a part of it. You've been following this team for so long. <laughs> My man. <laughs> where, where can we find you? Social media, the podcast, everywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like I, uh, I'm on this podcast, the, uh, the DNVR nuggets, uh, podcast. Um, I am the creative director of the all city network, which, uh, represents dmvr chgo in chicago phnx and phoenix uh we're ever expanding uh be on the lookout we're coming to a city near you um and so you can find me on twitter if you want to be annoyed or you can see it <laughs> i'm just d-line 
uh, at DLineCo on Twitter. Uh, but really, like, if you want to see my professional work, you know, uh, just check, you know, thednvr.com, allchgo.com, or um, thephnx.com. D-Line, thanks so much for taking the time. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Anytime. There it was. Another episode of Combo's Court is in the books. Appreciate everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Appreciate D-Line for joining in. Combo Nation, punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already and share this episode. Be on the lookout for episode 483. Combo out.